So a few weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 3, and we looked at, uh, we're looking at the phrases of carpe diem. You guys recognize that phrase? Remember we talked about that? It was about seizing the, the day, the ideas, enjoying life while you can. I told you guys about my amazing Lego discovery, right? $500 worth for 50 bucks, and I seized the opportunity, and I jumped on it as soon as I saw it. But we also talked about another phrase, another Latin phrase, carpe potestatum, which was seize the opportunity, which means to do good while you can. We talked about calling the person that you've been meaning to call, or to encourage the person, or giving the money, or sharing the gospel when you had the opportunity to do that. And then we were in Acts chapter 3. We were looking at a story about Peter and John who were on their way to the temple to do what they did every day probably. And they were going there to pray. And as they were going there, they came across a man who had been paralyzed since birth. In Acts chapter 4, we find out that it was over 40 years that this guy was laying there paralyzed. And the man's looking at Peter and John and saying, hey, can you help me? And Peter says, look, I don't have any money, but what I have, I will give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And as, of course, something like that happens, a 40-year-old guy who can never walk all of a sudden gets up and starts running around, jumping and talking and excited, it's going to cause quite a commotion. And Peter took advantage of that. He carpe potestatum. He took advantage of that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And we saw a lot of good things happen in that story. But today we're going to continue the rest of the story. And we see some of the adverse or the negative side effects to the carpe potestatum that Peter did. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, continues the rest of the story. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. I want to ask God's blessing on the reading on, on this passage again. God, this is your time. God, this is your time to speak to us through your word. You're giving me the opportunity to say it. But God, I pray that we would all hear from you what you want us to say, whether or what you, what you want us to hear, whether I say it or not. God, because I know you're capable of all of that. Please speak to us through your word. Help us, God, to understand how to really live this out and have the courage to do so. I pray, God, for the words to say in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of today's message is Coram Deo. Coram Deo. And I, it's on, what does that mean? It's, it's right there. It's in the back of your bulletin. Uh, there's a bunch of these on the back uh, that if you do not have one when you leave, I'll be sitting at the back trying to stick one of these in your hands. And it's something that I would encourage you to put, use as a bookmark, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it in your wallet. So all the time you're seeing Coram Deo, which means to live one's life, uh, entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. And these two words, this little phrase, is exactly what Peter and John have decided to do. They chose to live life like God is really watching them. Right? That's why they're choosing to stand up for the right thing. They're choosing to live life to the glory of God. When they did this miracle to help this guy walk, they didn't all of a sudden say, hey, look at me. They pointed all the intention where it was supposed to go to Jesus. And they chose to live life under the authority of God, even when it clashes with man's authority, which we are going to see near the end of the message. 
They chose to Coram Dale, and we are challenged today to do the same thing. And if you choose to Coram Deo, to live life for the Lord in every which way possible, um, we're going to see that Peter and John, they face persecution because they did this. And when they face persecution, this was literally persecution. They were seized and they were put in jail until the next day, until it was the right time for them to have their trial of sorts of whatever kind that was going to be. And that's one of the negative sides to walking with the Lord. There's going to be people who don't like that, people who don't agree with that. And Peter and John, they just were going to church. They were just helping a guy out. They were just proclaiming the name of Jesus. And they, they were not expecting anything negative to come from that. It was just an average, ordinary day. They were average, ordinary people trying to do something nice for people. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in jail awaiting a trial the next day. But they didn't just face literal persecution. They faced potential persecution. Because at the end of the story, in Acts chapter 4, verse 21, you find that they are receiving threats to shut their mouths and quit talking about this Jesus before they are let go. Now, what threats were those? Well, probably they were threatened to be put back in jail. Uh, they're probably threatened that they were going to be whipped because in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, you find that that's exactly what happened. These guys are proclaiming something that they're not supposed to, and the punishment, the persecution, went from very minimal to a lot worse. It became just like a night stay in jail to some physical pain that they had to live with. But they did not keep quiet. They said, this is what really matters. This is what's really true. And so we are going to proclaim it. At the moment, it's just a night in jail. May not seem like such a big deal, but it, in either way, it is persecution. And if you and I choose to Coram Deo, if you and I choose to live our entire life in the presence of God, as if God is really watching us, under the authority of God, as if we're going to do what God wants, even if man doesn't agree, and to the glory of God, that we are going to face persecution as well. It's just something that's part of the deal. Um, in 2 Timothy 3.12, this is a famous verse that I think everybody knows. Paul's talking to Timothy about some of the trials that he has faced and says, Look, Timothy, this is what you can expect if you're going to live the gospel out, if you're going to share it with people, if you're going to do the right thing. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to be persecuted. Not something that people are excited to sign up for, right? We don't want to face persecution of any kind. But Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 20, he says, look guys, this is part of the deal. They persecuted me. And if they persecuted me, guess what you can expect? You can be expecting to be persecuted as well. And persecution takes many forms, right? I think if we were to discuss it, we could maybe come up with some more. But here's a couple that I came up with. Some people are persecuted physically. You know, they, they get tortured for their faith. They get beat up. Some people even get put to death as a form of persecution. All physical pain, all physically harming us. And that's one of the ways we say, no, thank you. I don't want that. Some people endure emotional pain, all because they're taking a stand for Jesus. They get left out. People don't want Jesus around. They don't want to hear the words of Jesus. They say, you know what, you keep Jesus to yourself and you stay away. Some people get ignored because of the stand they took for Jesus. Other people get slandered. 
because of their stand that they took for Jesus. Some people might endure financial pain. Right? You, you miss out on the job promotion, and you may not even know it. You're being persecuted, right? You miss out on the job promotion because of your, your stand for Jesus. You might miss out on the job itself. You know, you, hey, at the moment, it might be pretty scarce. Someone might find out that you're a believer in Jesus, or you took a stand for Jesus, and they'll say, you know what? I'm not going to give that contract to that person because of that. I'm going to just give that to somebody else because I don't like what that person is saying about Jesus. Your stuff might be ruined. Your stuff might be stolen. All because you took a stand for Jesus. If you're going to live a godly life, you are going to face persecution in one way or another. If you take a stand for something that's right, you're going to face persecution. You know, you think about uh, teenage kids. They, they go off and they, they get pregnant. And all of a sudden, everybody's, oh no, what do we do about this situation? Well, the easy answer is to let's get rid of the baby. And you get involved in that conversation, you say, you know what, that's not the right thing to do. All of a sudden, you might be the one who's facing persecution because you said, hey, we need to keep this life because God gave that life. And then people might say, okay, I'm staying away from Josh because he's going to be pushing me in a direction I don't want to go. Uh, Same-sex marriages. You know, we have in the school, kids are talking about gay and how they're like that and how that's okay. And if, you're, if you take a stand and say, you know what, God loves the sinner, he hates the sin, that's not okay in God's eyes, you're going to face persecution. Out in the real world, with the adults, when those topics come up in your families and in at work, if you take that stand for Jesus and you say, you know what, that's not right, you're going to face persecution. Doing anything that goes against your con convictions, you know, you're going to face persecution. I think about the church up in Canada where the pastor says, you know what, we're going to have church anyway. I'm not going to shut my doors. I'm not going to let it be at the minimum capacity. I want anybody who wants to come hear about Jesus, come in. He went to jail because he took a stand for what he thought was right. Uh, now they're, they locked the doors. They, they bolted the doors. They put like a double fence around that church. And, and we can say, well, it's COVID and it's all that sort of thing. It's not COVID. Really, it's the government saying we don't want the church. We don't want that faith out there. We don't want people practicing that. And because they're taking the stand, saying we're going to do it anyway, they're facing persecution. They're facing fines. They're facing they can't even get inside their church building. I guarantee you, I don't know this guy, but I guarantee you he didn't just say, boy, I'm a whoop pump. He says, okay, I'm going to find some other way to do it. He, they're going door to door. They're doing Zoom. They're doing YouTube. They're doing something because they're not going to be stopped for their faith. And if we, Coram Deo, if we live our entire life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God, we are going to face persecution for it. But when you, Coram Deo, you are taking a very bold stand. In Acts, let me read um, Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 8 through 12. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, this is to the people who are asking them questions about why they were able to do this. He says, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked about how he was healed, then know this, uh, 
and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the first part of verse 13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Right? They were surprised. These guys had courage. It took boldness. Now, just talking to people, uh, for them to just talk to the average people is probably a little bit difficult. You know, difficult to have people who you don't really aren't going to agree with what Peter and John are saying. But they're but Peter and John are talking to the wealthiest, the most intellectual, the most powerful Jews in the area, in the land. Peter really is taking his own life into his hand by having this conversation, this boisterous, about who Jesus is. Now, in verses 5 through 6, uh, there's, I'll read these verses, and there's going to be some names that you probably recognize. And I'll, I'll tell you why you do if you don't know already. It says, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. This is after they were put in prison before they, they get talked to. It says, Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this? Those names are kind of familiar. You have Caiaphas and John and Alexander. Well, who who Peter's talking to are not just the wealthiest, the richest, uh, the most influential people of the Jews. He's talking to the same bunch of people who just a few months ago got rid of Jesus. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden and they, they got to Jesus and they're the ones who condemned Jesus is worthy of death. And Peter's going toe to toe with these guys and he's speaking the truth boldly. He's not letting fear of death. He's not letting fear of position stop him from telling them the truth that they really need to hear. He's got courage. And when he's, he's, he's having courage, first thing he's doing is he's being bold and he's giving Jesus credit. Verse 10, it says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He's making it clear that it was not them. It was not their power. It was not their ability. It was only through Jesus that this is possible. This is the last thing these people want to hear, right? They just condemn Jesus to death. They want him to be dead. They want him to just go away. But Peter says he's not going anywhere, guys. Here's the truth. It is only because of Jesus that this was possible. But he doesn't stop there. He gets a little bolder. He says uh, in Acts chapter uh, 4.12, he says, uh, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which they must be saved. The Jews wanted to be saved. The Jews were expecting a Messiah, but they would not accept that it was Jesus. And Peter saying, look, guys, I'm getting bolder. This salvation is only found in Jesus. It is not found in some other guy who's going to come along. It's not found in good works. It's only found in Jesus. Man, does Peter have a big mouth. He's being bold. He's going toe-to-toe. He's daring them. He's asking for it. You guys do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to be silenced. I'm going to state the truth. 
And then the third thing he's being bold in, and this is like, he's, this, this guy is, is taking about as far as you can go. He's really asking for it. Because at the end of the conversation, they're trying to give Peter threats. They're trying to get him to stop. He says, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's eyes for me to obey you rather than man. So in other words, he's saying, you guys do whatever you want. I'm not going to stop saying what I'm saying or doing what I'm doing because of Jesus. Because I'm going to follow God's laws and God's words instead of you guys. I'm not going to be afraid of you guys. Do whatever you want. I'm going to follow Jesus. And if we are going to Coram Deo, guess what? We are going to be bold. We may not say those same kinds of things, but we are going to take bold stands and say bold things. I remember being bold once in the second grade. Uh, I, I don't know how this, it, to my remembrance, all I remember was there were a bunch of us kids in one end of the classroom. The other end of the room had <laughs> had a bunch of big kids. I don't know how old they were, but I picture like junior high and high school kids. And they're yelling at us. And I don't know where the teacher's at, but they're yelling at us to sit down and be quiet. So I was bold. I stood up and said, who's going to make me? And then I sat down because <laughs> I was scared. That was the extent of my boldness. Like, who's going to make me? And that's it. But that's not what I'm supposed to be bold in doing. I'm not supposed to be bold in st standing up for myself and, de and defending myself or, or saying I'm an American or I have freedom of speech or who's going to make me. I need to be bold for Jesus. We talked a couple weeks about a couple weeks ago about being bold and giving Jesus credit. I told you Blaine did that, and how awesome that was. Uh, and how can we give Jesus credit? You know the phrase, "What would Jesus do?" We do something nice for somebody. We can say, "Hey, I was just doing what Jesus would do," uh, or say, "You know what? I'm just passing on the love of Jesus." Being bold and giving Jesus credit. You know that maybe it, those are just small phrases. But it does take courage to do that. It's so much easier to say, you're welcome. Yep, uh, you're, you know, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a lot harder to say, hey, I'm giving Jesus credit because of something that I did. But we need to be bold in doing that. We need to be bold in sharing Jesus with other people. Now, for some people, it's not a big deal to say, to tell the gospel. Where it gets hard is when you point to Jesus and say, he is the only way to heaven. All of a sudden, people who are like, yeah, Jesus is the way to heaven are not so happy with that because they don't like hearing that Jesus is the only way. But in verse 12, it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's pretty much what John, Jesus said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We need to be bold in sharing Jesus and proclaiming salvation is only found in him you know and, and if you're if you're bold in sharing your faith if you're bold in your stance for for jesus or for what's right uh it's going to get you into some trouble some people are going to say you know what you're just narrow-minded josh you're only thinking of your faith and your way what you were taught uh, people might be hateful towards you people might persecute you but it's really the right thing to do people need to hear jesus is the only way 
uh, another way to be bold is what, we, what Peter and John did, and they said that we were going to follow God over man. Now, maybe in a church setting, that seems like a pretty easy thing to say, right? It's pretty easy to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do instead of what man wants me to do. But I want you to think through your life and where you go on a regular basis. Those of you who, who go to work and have a boss, um, try telling your boss no when he wants to, you to fudge on a report. You know, I think about uh, one of those Kendrick Brother movies where there's this, this Mexican guy who's working for a company, and the guy is interviewing people and says, here, all I need you to do is to fudge on this report, say that this really didn't happen. And the guy is stressed out. He needs a job. He's a Christian, and he's he, they're afraid to have to go back home, and they're, they're trying to stay, they're trying to be faithful. And he finally, after all night sweating and praying, about this, he goes and he tells the boss, you know what, I can't do that. He says, you know what, you're the first guy out of like 11 other people or 7 other people who were supposedly Christians said, okay, I'll write the report. I'll say that those things really didn't happen. They did not get the job. And it could be difficult to do that. Um, Try telling your family who says something is okay that's different from what Scripture says. Try taking a stand against them and saying, you know what, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that because that's different from what God says. That's a difficult thing to be at odds with other people, my family, because it goes against what God says. It's so much easier to just keep my mouth shut and not say anything. But being bold for God takes a bold stand. You know, try telling the government that wants you to stop talking about controversial issues that you are going to keep doing it. People are ending up in jail. People are being persecuted. People are giving, given fines that they have to follow. All because they're saying, you know what, I'm going to follow God instead of what man, what man thinks. And as I say that, I feel tension in my body. Because I know, actually, if I think through actually going out there and making these stands, it's hard to do. You know, I'm not any more invincible than anybody else. It's hard. I'm human. It's hard to go and to take those stands anyway. But that's what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to, to be bold, to have courage, and not just keep quiet. Not try to stop rocking the boat. Get in the boat. Stop, start rocking it. Right. Be willing to get involved in those conversations and take those bold stands. So a little recap. If you quorum or quorum deo, deo, you will be persecuted. If you quorum deo, you will be bold. But we are all called to do this. We all can and are called to do quorum deo. Even if we're just the average ordinary person that nobody ever thinks of for the basketball team or for the raise or for having over for dinner, God has called and, and given us all the opportunity to quorum deo, to live our entire life in the presence of God as if he's really watching, under the authority of God to do what he wants us to do even though man doesn't agree and to the, his glory instead of for my own glory. And Peter and John, they were just ordinary, unschooled people. Nothing special. We look and say, wow, you're one of the 12 disciples. But they're just average, ordinary people. Had Jesus not grabbed them as disciples, they'd still be throwing out their nets and going fishing. Average, ordinary part of life. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't get a vast amount of training other than what they got from Jesus. They were just average people doing something um, very special because God gifted them to do that. Where did this boldness and this courage come from? It says they were bold. They saw the courage of Peter and John. Where did they get that from? Well, we find that... Um, 
at the end of verse 13, it says, uh, I'm going to just read the whole verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. How were they able to have this courage, have these words to say? It was because they spent time with Jesus. Because Peter was walking with God, not just as his disciple, after that fact, right? It's been at least 40 days up until the day of Pentecost, and time has passed on since then. They're, they've been going through the practices of the early church of, of speaking the word of God, of, of praying together, of, of sharing the Lord's Supper, all those joining together in fellowship, all those kinds of things. Time is progressing, right? And so they're spending time with God, even though they weren't just walking down the street with God as they did before. That's how they were able to do this because the Holy Spirit was living inside of them and helping them. How do we do that? Right? Obviously, we can't go walking down the street with God. I mean, with Jesus, wouldn't that be fun to, to be doing that even on a snowy day, walking with Jesus? How can I do that? How can I actually really quorum Dale? How can I live my life as if God's really watching? How can I live under His authority? How can I do everything for His glory? Well, we find the first thing is we can spend time in prayer to ask God, help me to do this, right? You know, if you're going to if you're gonna take a bold stand for Jesus, it's going to be pretty tough to do that, right? If I'm going to say something that everybody's not going to agree with, I'm going to need courage. I'm going to need the words to say. I cannot rely on myself if I'm going to do that. I need to spend time regularly in prayer to asking God every day, help me to do this. Help me to live my life for you today. The second thing, spend regular time in Scripture to understand what does it look like? What does it look like to live my life for Jesus? What is it that He wants me to do? And there's a vast amount of topics that you can look at to see how does God want me to take the stand and to live my life for Him. And a third thing that I would encourage you to do is to spend time with other Christians who are willing to do that. Right? There's strength in numbers. If I feel like I'm the only one who's trying to live my life for the Lord, it's going to be difficult. But I find out Stephen and Anita are, I hang out with them, and there's strength in numbers, and we can encourage each other because we are all trying to do the same thing. Find other people who are willing to take that bold stand. Encourage them. Say, hey, good job. Keep up the faith. Don't try to do it on your own. Do these three things. Spend time with God in prayer. Spend time reading His Word. Spend time with other people who are willing to do the same thing. And that's, that's the great part about the Quorum Dale. And that's the great part about this passage. I just, for a moment, without trying to distract from this, I want to point out something really sad about this passage. Because in verse 16, you find out that... Uh, these, these people who are trying to get the disciples to shut up, they know that something really special really happened. It says, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. These guys know that Peter and John did something special. They did a miracle, and they cannot deny it. But what are they doing with it? It says that they, in order to try to stop this, we're just going to threaten these guys right now and try to order them to stop. The proof is there. They did this miracle. Everybody saw. They know that Peter and John are ordinary people who couldn't do this on their own. But instead of accepting what they saw, they're, they're turning their heads. They're plugging their ears. They say, uh-uh. 
Sounds to me a lot like the guards at the tomb. When Jesus rose from the dead, they were there, like freaked out when the angels were there, when the rock was rolled away, when Jesus left. And what did they do with that? Nothing. They didn't go tell everybody. All they did is say, okay, how much money are you going to keep me to keep my mouth shut? Right? What are you going to give me to keep quiet? And they, they just totally ignored the fact of what was really true, what was really there. Peter and John did do a miracle. Jesus really did rise from the dead uh, for the sake of the guards. And there's a lot of people like that in our world today that want more proof, more proof. Just give me more and more. And the scriptures are full of proof. And if you're one of those people who says, I'm not going to buy into this until I see X, Y, or Z, I want you to stop doing that. I want you to say, okay, the proof is there. I'm going to accept what scripture says, and I'm going to trust Jesus, and I'm going to Coram Deo, right? This is really true. I'm going to let it impact all of my life. You know, Coram Dale, it's not an easy thing to do. It takes boldness. It takes courage. It's something that you cannot do on your own. You cannot live your life in the presence of God on your own, as if He's really there. You cannot live your life under the God's authority on your own. You cannot give God glory in your life on your own. You need Jesus. And you don't have to be anybody special, anybody spectacular. I know I'm not. I'm just an average Joe, you know. Um, but God says, you know what, Josh, if you're willing to trust me, if you're willing to follow what I says, he can help me to do this. He can help me to have the courage to do what he wants in spite of what the world is saying around me. So I just want to encourage you and challenge you to keep this somewhere where you're going to see it. Keep these words in your head and make sure that you are doing this, that you are living your entire life as if God's really watching. That you're willing to submit to God's authority even if the world doesn't agree. And that you make sure that what you're doing is for God's glory and not your own. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for... Uh, your grace for your forgiveness god you know we are fallible people we're no we're nothing special we're nothing perfect god that we we know many of us try to live our lives for you every day and we struggle to do that well god i just pray that you would help us to remember that you are always watching and thank god that you have your authority that you want us to follow instead of what man says and you would give us the courage to do that god because it is difficult to do the right thing Thank you for your grace and thank you for your uh, forgiveness. Thank you for your willingness to help us. And I just pray that anybody here who wants to quorum Deo, God, that you would bless them with the ability to do that. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.